Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden. He drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubim, and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. The Conclave Bible. Data links. Hi. <laughs> Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About The Weather, political discussion from the outside may look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam and this is Hugh. Hello. And we're here to talk about something special this week, something close yeah. to, our, to our hearts. We've yeah, been Tory Party Conference. The Tory Party Conference. <laughs> um, we're not talking about Tory Party Conference. Yeah, we, we, Tory we had planned... You've heard enough about Tory Party Conference and it's dog fucking, it's getting into fights with security guards because your wife wants the better biscuits and she didn't have the pass. The Boris doing stuff, I don't care. Pretty Patel being anti-Semitic. Buses, Boris, and abusive behaviour. Yeah. Abusive behaviour. Yeah, we're not going to bother talking um, about that. that. But we wanted to do something special for episode 100, mm-hmm. but obviously everything happened and we felt that, oh, we're going to cling on to this speeding train a little bit longer mm-hmm. to talk about contemporary stuff. Uh, but this is the actual episode 100, so if you've listened to episode 100, forget it, put it yeah. out of your mind, it didn't happen. No matter what you see up on Twitter or on the feed, this is the actual episode 100. It's like the Queen, yeah? This is, that was the ceremonial. This is the real, real birthday of We Don't Talk About The Weather. And we're going to talk about something very, very close to our hearts mm-hmm. that we have loved for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Been installed a, on every single laptop or PC I have owned since I was... I mean, you would have been 14, 15? Yeah, 15, probably. yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri. Yeah. Yes. Um, That's the sound of people turning off. <laughs> if you imagine, this is the opposite to the Vince McMahon episode we did last year. So it's kind of it has exactly opposite. Actually, no, it probably has exact the Venn diagram between this episode and the Vince McMahon episode. Probably just a circle. Um, yeah, Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri, and mm-hmm. it's uh, DLC, and it's expansion. Yes, Alien, expansion. it's expansion, Alien Crossfire. Um, so, for an introduction for people who aren't have never played this game, mm-hmm. not sure what it is, um, Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri or Smack or Smack Axe, if mm. you uh, use its full <laughs> uh, acronym, is a 4X style turn based strategy game. Uh, it was released in 1999 by Firaxis Entertainment. Firaxis was founded by Brian Reynolds, Jeff Briggs, and the eponymous Sid Meier who all left Micropose Software in 1996. Um, they were the developers of Civilization 2, yep. the popular Civilization-based series. This is a spiritual successor mm-hmm. to uh, Civ 2, specifically. Um, there's actually, it's <laughs> quite funny, there's a long-standing but disputed theory about how Sid Meier's name came to be on all his games. Um, it's based on this anecdote from Wild Bill Steely. Okay. Uh, who was the person who co-founded Microprose with with Sid Meier. Uh, He said, We were at dinner at a software publishers association meeting and actor Robin Williams was there. And he kept us in stitches for two hours and he turns to me and says, Bill, you should put Sid Meier's name on a couple of these boxes and promote him as the star. And that's how Sid's name got on Pirates and Civilization. (laughs) It's just such a weird thing that Wherever I turn, whatever interest I remember from my youth, Robin Williams was involved in it somehow. Yeah, Warhammer because he played Warhammer, didn't he? Um, a lot. He was a, a lot, board lot. board game guy, um, and yeah, it's hmm. very strange. Um, so yeah, like I say, Alpha Centauri is a spiritual uh, sequel to the Civilization series. Uh, the game's development was headed up by Berkeley philosophy student turned game designer Brian Reynolds. In it, you control one of eight factions on an alien world, building cities, fighting wars, researching technologies uh, inspired by hard science fiction. The game draws influences from Frank Herbert's Dune series, Kim Stanley Robinson's Red Mars trilogy, Larry Niven, and a plethora of other kind of hard sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like... Um, if you took the ending of Civ Two where you leave the planet... Mm. Um, that's when the story for Alpha Centauri starts with a ship full of everyone. Yes. Of all, like the best of the of all of all that's left of humanity, and then as they're getting close to the planet, someone kills the captain. Everything goes wrong. 
they all immediately split up <laughs> and form their own societies. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, so, Hugh, how did you get into Alpha Centauri? How did you, how did you start on it? I don't know. Because I got the demo on the front of... I got the 100-turn demo yeah. on the front of a, a magazine. And I didn't actually own a full copy of Alpha Centauri until probably 2003, 2004. <laughs> I, think I just played that first 100 turns over and over again. I think a friend put it on one of my laptops. Ah. On like a beaten up ThinkPad. <laughs> um, and then we started playing a lot. Yeah. Just sitting in a room, barely talking to each other, not looking at each other, just playing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, as as you said, uh, the game starts at one of the theoretical ends of a civilization game, which mm-hmm. is the space race victory. You can get all your civil pull all your civilization's resources into putting a colony mission to the nearest star mm-hmm. and the nearest planet, which is Alpha Centauri. Um. And Alpha Centauri, the game, tweaks that a little bit by uh, giving it kind of a backstory. The In the 22nd century, faced with a polluted and war-torn Earth, the UN puts a mission together to colonise Alpha Centauri. Taking the best scientists and leaders left on Earth, the colony ship Unity blasts off with the intent of restarting human civilization on their nearest habitable planetary neighbour in the Alpha Centauri system. It's called The planet's called Chiron? Yep. In like canon or whatever, but uh, it's mostly referred to as just planet mm-hmm. for for most of the game. Uh, somewhere close to the destination, the ship suffers a reactor meltdown, which wakes the crew from cryostasis and permanently severs communication from Earth, which is assumed to be destroyed or uninhabitable, uh, meaning that there's just no going back. Uh, the Unity's captain is murdered, and seven, uh, eight leaders, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, emerge from the crew, drawing followers to themselves based on ideology rather than nationality. As the ship breaks up in orbit, orbit, the seven factions take drop pods and crash onto the surface to pursue their own vision of how to survive and what human society should look like. Uh, Once they get onto the planet, they're kind of locked into conflict with the other factions and attacked by the native flora and fauna, including psychic fungus and mind worms, Mm -hmm. literal brain worms of centrist myth and credo, (laughs) (laughs) The mindworms and fungus are hostile to human presence on planet, reacting against pollution and native earth fauna being transplanted by the colonists. At certain points in the course of a game, a voice begins to intrude into the mind of your chosen faction leader, threatening to attack if the industrialisation of the colonists is not stopped. The player discovers that planet is a semi-sentient being, with all of its plant life and wildlife linked together as a hive organism. Uh, They also learn of a coming event called the Flowering, a regular kind of millennia-long event where the planet achieves sentience and destroys all life on it, only to kind of like re-emerge then as a semi-sentient being millennia later. To stop this, the player can build the Voice of Alpha Centauri, a secret project which links all of humanity's accumulated knowledge and links it to the planet's nervous system, delaying the planet becoming self-aware but increasing its knowledge of humanity. This is followed by the ultimate end game in any particular game that you're playing of it, um, which is called Transcendence, where humans also link their brains with the hive mind of planet and combined evolve to a new form of life and to godhood. It's pretty sci-fi. Which is extremely sci-fi. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the game itself, if you've played Civilization, it's very similar to that. Um, it's, it's clunky, almost incomprehensible when you first look at it. I, I don't know. It's kind of... I'd say it's a bit more streamlined than... Um, uh, Civilization. It, it certainly dispenses with some of the kind of more in-depth kind of color currency manipulations mm. and things like that. Maybe they added those later. Maybe they weren't in Civilization 2. It's been a millennia since I played mm. it. Um, but as it's a strategy game, there's no real um, interaction with characters. So the actual story is told through mainly researching new technologies. Um, there are certain cutscenes when, you know, Planet speaks to you and whatever and completing secret projects which are similar to Wonders in Civilization, mm-hmm. um, As opposed to Civ, where you get a 30-second read about, like I don't know, the Tower of Pisa or Pyramids and its significance to all of humanity, in Smack you get a quote from the game's own world told by one of the faction leaders, a philosophical quote about the impact of the, te- the technology or some other kind of like um, story beat. 
Um, the story is mainly told through this epistolary format, mostly through these quotes from faction leaders, but also through like yeah, extracts of conversations, poems, real-life philosophical treatises, even bathroom graffiti. Um, similar in a way to how Dark Souls mm-hmm. um, fleshes out its world with, with um, like item descriptions, item descriptions yeah. and, and things like that. Yeah, because as, as it goes on, like very quick, like in Civ, they never really explain why you have faction leaders that live for hundreds of years. Hmm. Yeah, I always feel, is it like a James Bond thing where you know Queen Elizabeth dies, but then another person Stone just comes Bismarck up and <laughs> dies, and then becomes Bronze Age Bismarck and so on. Um, but like in Alpha Centauri, they is they is a fit, they all they live forever. The yeah, faction leaders do anyway. Yeah, they're, they're, I think there's a, a a canon in like in the universe explanation of why they do. But yeah, for the first two hundred years, it's like two hundred years old. Yeah, well, they um, they they very quickly they start taking stuff to extend their life, and then they start yeah. getting even better stuff. And but the, the best thing is like as they write all their books, because all of the faction leaders are like very high on their own farts, and they're always writing. They're, <laughs> That's such a beautiful way of putting it. You, they should have sent a poet, <laughs> and they're always writing these books. Yes, um, and the books get. As they've like at first, they're like within like a hundred years of living in earth civilization but then being like a particularly university focused bit of earth civilization mm. they're talking about you know bits of knowledge and stuff like that but then after he's been alive for 500 years suddenly it's all about you know it's everything else is holding him back from attaining all kinds of weirdness and like the chinese one yang and him mm. become essentially think of himself as a kind of com- completely separate from all society and a god yeah. <laughs> yeah um so yeah like the the this this kind of developing story is it's really interestingly told actually because obviously because you're unlocking tech on a tech tree mm-hmm. you're unlocking it in in sequence depending on what you've researched on a on a kind of a, a hierarchy mm-hmm. of technology you don't tend to get you tend to get early story in the early bits mm-hmm. and later story in the in the later bits um, so like just as an example uh, you unlock recycling tanks really early. And it's a technology that allows you to increase population growth at your bases, and this is the uh, description you get. It is every citizen's final duty to go into the tanks and to become one with all the people. Chairman Shen Jiyang, Ethics for Tomorrow. Man, I love hearing that stuff. <laughs> it's so cool. Um, yeah, so it not only fleshes out the, the usage of the technology, kind of what it actually is, but it also... Rather than just be a plus one number. Yeah, rather than just a number. Or, interestingly, telling you what it means to humanity. Mm-hmm. It kind of ends up telling you what it, mean, what, like, what it means to the people on that planet in the specific circumstances they're in. Because, obviously, like the early game is the air's not breathable, mm-hmm. the place hasn't been terraformed, you've got all these like psychic mindworms trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it tells you how even the most benign technologies can be, are being used by the ideological leaders that make up this planet. The writing is really, really good. It's always mm-hmm. stuck with me how how incredible it is. I mean, they use real philosophical quotes and, and various bits of poetry, but like the stuff that they've written for the faction leaders is 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 really excellent. Um, it's just a few examples here. I sit in my cubicle here on the mother world. When I die, they will put my body in a box and dispose of it in the cold ground. And in all the million ages to come. I will never breathe, or laugh, or twitch again. So won't you run and play with me here among the teeming mass of humanity? The universe has spared us this moment. Anonymous. Data links. What do I care for your suffering? Pain, even agony, is no more than information before the senses. Data fed to the computer of the mind. The lesson is simple. You have received the information. Now act on it. Take control of the input. And you shall become master of the output. Chairman Shen Jiyang, SS on Mind and Matter. What's more important, the data or the jazz? Sure, sure, information should be free and all that. But anyone can set information free. The jazz is in how you do it, what you do it to, 
and in almost getting caught without getting caught. The data is ones and zeros. Life is the jazz. Data Tech Cinderose Infobop. Yes, you can tell that was released in 1999. There's a real, <laughs> a real beautiful techno vibe to all of those things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even right down to their outfits, it's like in the far future. There's like, and there is the cyberpunk faction. Well, but, even even like some of the ones that aren't uh, necessarily uh, primitivist or whatever mm-hmm. have certain like adornments around their jumpsuits and like yeah. different coloured spectacles, like uh, Doctor Jacoby and Twin Peaks. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so unlike Civilization, which tells a story based on historical development, mm-hmm. Alpha Centauri's impetus and definition of the story comes from philosophy. Each of the eight factions, rather than being divided by nationality or allegiance to geography or anything like that, are motivated by a particular philosophy, largely drawn from the extremities present in American society in the late 90s. Mm. A bit more on that later. Uh, Gameplay-wise, the faction's philosophies are represented by subtle bonuses to their stats that make certain playstyles easier for them. Unlike Civ games, which had these features to represent the strengths and weaknesses of particular countries, Alpha Centauri has fictional but fully realised characters. We learn about their philosophies, the nature of the societies built on planet largely through their own words. These are reinforced by the game design, their belligerence, what technologies they develop and how they choose to expand their empires. So, for instance, the religious fundamentalist faction, the Lord's Believers, will have increased morale and fighting ability because they're true religious fanatics. But at the same time, they'll have less scientific prowess because they're suspicious of new technologies, and they also have penalties to their planet score, which is like, in the game, that's like a combination of like your pollution and your... Yeah, how much your, planet likes you. Yeah, you're, you've, you've, you're uh, terraforming the place to yeah. be more like Earth and the, as a sentient being, planet doesn't yeah, like, like that. Yeah, it's like a two-polar spectrum. Like, the more polluter you are... The, the, the lower the number, yeah. the nicer you are, the higher the number. And if you get it really high, then planet starts being nice to you. It starts that they the mind worms start joining you, and you mm. can train them and things like that. Yeah, um, yeah. So they have so like yeah, the Lord's believers have like a penalty to their planet because they believe that the planet is has been them. promised to them by God, mm. promised land. Um, and also, like they have a penalty on spying on other factions because obviously they wouldn't be able to hide their faith. Mm. They wouldn't be able to profess that they were of a belief that they that they otherwise weren't. Um, uh, the societies are represented in game by cities as as per Civ. Um, each faction, in addition to have their own inbuilt strengths and weaknesses, could also have the ability to take on different kinds of politics and different uh, like ways of organising their society and economies. Yeah, so, some of them couldn't take certain options yeah because like your politics you can have like a police state a democratic state um a a green Mm -hmm. uh, economy or a planned economy stuff like that um you can also dictate what uh your society values Mm -hmm. uh, knowledge wealth or power and you even have the ability to shape kind of where your society thinks it's going so you've got eudaimonia which is like happiness based mm-hmm. on happiness you've got thought control which is like a big brother style uh society and you have cybernetic futures where your population starts integrating their their stuff with uh, with machines yeah. machineries and ai so these not only do these complement or compensate your own shortfalls but other factions will be more or less friendly with you depending on what models you choose to run your society on and how you treat your own citizens so, like, the democratic factions will hate you if you use police state. Yeah. Something like that, you know? Um, there's also, as far as politics goes in the gameplay, there's actually a, a quite an interesting, um, like, class management system within your cities. Mm-hmm. So you have uh, these things called drones. Now, they are un- unhappy, but basically uneducated citizens. They're your lumpen proletariat. They're the, the deltas from Brave New World. Yeah, very much so, yeah. yeah. Now... This is just represented in game by a little bar of red citizens and then blue citizens, which are talents. So mm. that's your like professions, that's your engineers, your doctors, things like that. Um, if the number of drones outnumbers the number of talents, you can have a drone riot where the drones start kind of rioting. They cripple production for the city, you can't make any new units. If it keeps going on, they can start destroying bits of the city. And eventually, if it, if you, it goes untended for too long... They will actually join another faction. Yeah. Uh, you can resolve these riots by either increasing your police <laughs> number, which is yeah again another number, 
you can um, increase the number of talents. So basically, pump middle class, gentrify your city. Yeah, you pump in middle class citizens but until you, um, they stop. I don't think if you pump them, you turn the drones. You turn. You can turn drones into talents. So like, you send them off for re-education. <laughs> you send them off for like. Um, when do you buy them off? You basically yeah. say you've got a cushy office job for the rest of your life. Yeah, but then obviously the drones are the ones who do your production. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have enough, then you can't make anything anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other way you can put a riot down is by clicking a button that's on every city marked Nerve Staple. Mm-hmm. Um, this, but it, it has a lot of warnings. It does. It actually has a click-through menu that says, are you sure you want to do this? Like, this counts as an atrocity. All the other nations will know, know you've done this. Yeah, so there's a number of different things in, in, in play when you use this. Um, not only do drones eventually become immune to it if you use it too often, but uh, using it constitutes like a, an international war crime. And you will not only lose status with other factions... Um, you have like a basic UN charter that you can institute like part of the way through the game. Yeah. And then you, and have, you breaks can vote that on different bits of it as well. Yeah, can they change can... Change it. Yeah. So if you're an arsehole, you can... Because like you don't meet any you don't meet anyone for about 100 or so turns. Generally, yeah. Unless you're close to them on the map. Yeah. yeah. But eventually when you found everyone, everyone, they start... Um, it, they decide to have a UN. Yeah. And then you can have a vote on the UN and then you can start... If you're like in charge, you can like say, "Oh, maybe we should be allowed to nerve staple everyone," and you go to each person, and they're like, "I'm not sure if I want to nerve staple," and you're like, "I'll give you fifty cars," and they're like, "Okay, I'll change my vote," and then you change it so you can nerve staple everyone, just like the real UN. Exactly. <laughs> that's what told me. That's how how I learned about the UN. But if it's so, that actually has like nerve stapling your underclass mm-hmm. has a an actual impact because not only will they put in economic sanctions, but then in the future the more democratically inclined, the more human rights inclined mm. factions will not trust you. Yep. They will not support you in wars or if you're attacked and they may actually declare war on you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, as you mentioned, like the UN uh, is all over this game mm-hmm. and it did remind me halfway through that this is... a UN operation, isn't it, as well? It is, yeah. The original mission to mm-hmm. Alpha Centauri is, is a UN-sponsored operation and... This is a very 90s game, late Mm -hmm. 90s game, um, definitely grounded in the fears and anxieties that were happening around the turn of the millennium, you know, 98, 99. Um, For those of you who weren't alive in the late 90s, actually, everybody, oh no, it's 20 years. Oh God. Mm. Oh God. I'm old. (laughs) Um, For those of you who weren't around in the late 90s. um, you know, it's kind of a period of peace and prosperity. The Cold War is over. Soviet Union's been defeated. But there's this... It's a period of relative peace and prosperity, I guess, for Western countries. But there's... actually, It's actually undergirded by this real anxiety and this real um, ennui about what politics is for, what society's for, what we're supposed to do mm-hmm. under late capitalism, what what is now supposed to happen after, you know, capitalism's great ideological enemy has been defeated. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of mix of post-Cold War triumphalism and at the same time kind of the ennui of this era is obviously represented by the book End of History by mm-hmm. Francis Fukuyama. Um, positing that Western liberal democracy, because it had won, it best fit. It had won because it best fit human nature. That's what human nature was all about. It was a consumer-based um, capitalist nature, and that most closely fit what human nature was at the, at the root. Um, and this era is also kind of the genesis of Mark Fisher's idea of capitalist realism, mm-hmm. which quotes to, you know to roughly paraphrase him: "It's the only viable system." Not just because it was impossible, not just because it was the best, but because it was impossible to imagine any viable alternative to it. Yeah. You know? Uh, the game is, Alpha Centauri is drenched in 1999 assumptions. It has crazy Christians, amoral mad scientists experimenting with AI and genetic research, gun crazy militias, and hippie environmentalists. Mm-hmm. The societal archetypes are fairly broadly drawn and definitely carry all of this like zeitgeisty end of history stuff with them. The assumptions about what is contained within these ideologies of these factions is really, really fascinating. Um, so we mentioned like you can take on different politics, your society can. Um, democratic societies in this game, broadly speaking, won't tolerate extended wars. <laughs> yep. uh, green economics are anti-population growth. 
they yeah. affect your growth stat, so your cities don't grow as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, planned economies are inefficient. Yeah. And best yeah. paired with a police state. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing. They have some the natural pairings. Yeah. Like a democratic green society. Um, yeah, kind goes, of goes enhances nice. its benefits. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. planned goes with police state, goes with fort control. <laughs> Um, as we mentioned, yeah, the UN features super heavily as like this unifying principle, almost mm. this like utopian principle that would unite all of these ideologies, even the you know the ones who are committed to turning everyone into machines. They do it really well because um, there's there's they have it, but none of the original faction leaders like it, other than no. the one who founds it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very post Cold War liberalism. Like now that the the era of superpowers is over, we can all just take our problems to the UN, and that yeah. will that will sort everything out. Um, yeah, and like the for instance, like yeah, the hyper capitalist faction are separate from the liberal faction, mm-hmm. which is a way of thinking that, of course, like it's the it's like the thinking that divides like people from thinking about the Democratic Party in the US yeah. from Wall Street. Yeah. Despite the fact that they are, maybe maybe they merged closer in the two thousands or the nineties. I don't think they were mm. always like absolutely hand in like hand in hand, but they're definitely like they have more than a passing association. And in this game, mm-hmm. the super corporate capitalists are separate and on their own. They actually don't have many like minded allies. I'd say among the other factions. Because there are some that complement each other, the hippie environmentalists and the UN, and the uh, uh, broadly speaking, in quotes, the nice factions. Yeah. And then you've got the kind of less nice factions, you know, the police state. <clears throat> uh, yeah. No, I don't think anyone sides with Morgan. Really. Hmm. I think the university does for a bit. I yeah. think the university does, if, if like, because um, they swap they. The university sells them stuff all the time. Yeah, I mean, technically, and obviously, and it, it, to make it a kind of balanced, fair game, any of the uh, factions can ally with each other. But yeah. even even within the game, the kind of the canon kind of overwrites it. So the the believers, the religious fundamentalist faction, will all will generally like ninety percent of the time be at war with the university. Yeah, um, for yeah. for most of the game. The, the um the the scripting for a lot for all the factions is pretty good. Like, if you play hundreds and hundreds of games like we do. <laughs> Um, you'll see like familiar patterns emerging mm. over who gets who works together mm. and stuff like that, which yeah. is really nice. It's really cool. Um, yeah, the other nineteen nineties thing is this full emphasis on technological development. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, like all Civ games have uh, technology and science research as like a main part, of, main plank of their of their game. Uh, this game really heavily depends on it. Like, there's not. I don't think there's any like deficit of your faction that you can't eventually overcome using technology not really because like you know if you have say like a penalty to police because mm-hmm. you're like hip a hippie or whatever you can definitely research technologies that eliminate the need for the police in the first place well yeah you know yeah. that that that's the kind of uh that's the kind of emphasis on it um <clears throat> yeah the 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 90s flavor is kind of enhanced by the fact that the factions which we'll we'll detail in a second um, are all kind of very extreme, very solidified versions of kind of extreme ideologies that the developers would have been looking at in nineties in America. So if you think about America and the West uh, in the middle part of the nineties, they've beaten the, so- the the Cold War. No, they've beaten the Cold War. They've beaten the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Cold War is over, but. They're still on top of this huge military, and they've got loads of enemies. That's rather than having one singular enemy, they've got loads of enemies that are kind of crawling out of the woodwork that threaten liberal capitalist society. You know, from the rise of Soviet bloc nationalism, Islamic fundamentalism, and in the U.S., the increasing kind of activities and visibility of militia movements and and far right terrorism, even down to religious cults like the Branch Davidians. Hmm. Um, Definitely feel like, despite the fact that the nuclear terror is over, that society has never been more endangered, mm-hmm. you know, by these extremes of, of ideology. You've got the Waco siege, you've got like uh, X Files and a fascination with serial killers, and this was the kind of cultural moment when this fascination with extremists and fanatics was, was really at a high. Um, um, the game even uses 
live action footage from the 1992 uh, experimental documentary Baraka, mm. which mainly goes around detailing kind of extreme religious practices, technology run amok, and um, the kind of more like it depicts like mortification of flesh and kind of um, religious rituals from around the world. So, yeah, it has this emphasis on the extremities of life, yeah. which is something that late capitalism and especially in the 90s was there was a real reaction to it, like Gen X mm. seeking out, like trying to drop out of kind of regular nine to five work and seek out experiences was a reaction to the kind of settled nature of, of late capitalism yeah. in that period. Um, these fears and intrigues about the future direction of American society are reflected in the factions, which I think are probably the most interesting part of the game. Mm. Um, there, like I said, there is a rough divide between the, nice factions and the bad factions but that is based on a moral code i no longer uphold <laughs> since playing this game <laughs> um they're drawn from quite they're drawn quite broadly but from a lot of different influences it makes them easy they're not easy to pigeonhole as um just single things so yeah. like the communist the capitalist the anything like that mm-hmm. um and the important point to make about these in the broader sense of the game is that they're not cynical charlatans feeding off a declining world mm-hmm. they're all um they're all they all have a positive vision that they want to put into practice in the world and have indeed split off from other factions in yeah. order to pursue it. Now that is extremist behavior. That's radical mm-hmm. behavior. Um, and they are, let's face it, all fanatics because otherwise they wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. But there's a kind of nice positivity about it. Yeah. That is, is, is really interesting and sets it apart from Civ as well, which mm-hmm. is Civ is basically everybody's a monarchy. Mm-hmm. There is no, you don't end the game by being voted out of office. No. You as the God King of this <laughs> civilization, are going to, you know, expand, exterminate. <laughs> um, that's a weird thing about Civ, actually, that I haven't thought about. Like, no matter what faction you are, you have to um, continue the practices of and excesses of Western imperialism in order to win that game. You can win purely democratically. Uh, you still have to expand, though. You have to kill barbarians. That's a good point, actually. There is the barbarians. There was actually I forgot about the barbarians. There was lit- <laughs> there was literally a um controversy around C five or mm. four, I think, um, about one of the uh Native American nations mm-hmm. as a faction in the game and them being portrayed as having to expand and exterminate things on their borders in order to succeed as a civilization, which kind of set Set a bit wrong. I mean, look. Yeah, I never Civ, played many Civ games. I've made over. Civ is a lot. I love Civ, and actually, it's a very, it's a, it's one of those. It's a very benign game. Mm-hmm. If you it's want, to, if you want it to be that way. Nuclear war on Mark. <laughs> it's a very benign game and a very nice and relaxing and long term strategy mm-hmm. game. But it does have this slight weird, like, philosophical mechanic at the center of it. I mean, that's what Four X is. What's it? Exploit, expand. Exploit. Expand, explore, exploit, exterminate. Mm. And, you know, that uh, has uncomfortable connotations. <laughs> um, so, yeah, despite being drawn from overarching archetypes of political philosophy, these factions do develop in the game in ways that are organic and sit, feel really fluid to the situation that they find themselves in of surviving on this really hostile alien planet. Um and advancing their society's technologies. And even, as we've said, with the way that the story is presented, you get to see how their reaction to the technologies that they're researching, which is all like drawn from like hard sci-fi. So it's like, you know, implanting things into people's brains, mm-hmm. making AI, making grey goo, mm-hmm. um, you know, drawing power from a black hole, shit like that. Yeah, um, It's all very hard sci-fi, and you get to see how these factions kind of react to them. So the factions, I'm going to go through them. Uh, we've got Lady Deirdre Skye, the Scottish chief botanist of the Unity, who leads Gaia's stepdaughters. Now, they're the hippie environmentalists. They're democratic, pacifist. Confusing. Um, <laughs> spiritual, but yeah, spiritual, but not religious. And as you say, they have a penalty to their growth, which the implication is that too many people cause environmental damage. Mm-hmm. Um, within their story, they seem to have the most contact with planet 
as yeah. well, like the the sentient planet. Oh, the original factions, yeah. Yeah, and like they could be a very simple kind of bio, like they're biologists and things like that, but they have like a poetic cultural link to the environment as yeah. well as just a, a, a rigid scientific um, attitude towards it. Um, we have Academician Prokhor Zaharov of the University of Planet. He was the ship's science Russian science officer. With doc- the, Dr. Jacobi glasses. With Dr. Jacobi glasses and weird, like, primitivist body suits. Yeah. Um, they're the I-fucking-love-science faction. Mm-hmm. Um they're amoral scientific researchers committed to the pursuit and mastery of rational scientific principles. But, importantly, they lack the ethical and kind of emotional frameworks that would regulate like scientific inquiry in a, in a sane, normal society. They're democratic, but they're only democratic among their own elite researchers. Mm. So they can have like drone problems. This is kind of explained in the game by... The fact that they're because they have no ethical restrictions, they have no problem with human experimentation. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're not a top scientist, you might be fodder. <laughs> um, we have Colonel Corazon Santiago of the Spartan Federation. Uh, they're the militia. I'd say militia faction. They're 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 the kind of the tutorial faction. I think in many ways they're quite simple and straightforward, and they're also like they're like a militaristic. Um, survivalist faction you know second amendment gun nuts those kind of people on the surface they're quite they appear like they're the obvious like fascist candidate yeah but i think they tend towards a bit more like the kind of human society from starship troopers the extent to which that is that is fascist because they don't do that it's never indicated in the canon whether they use propaganda to put out a particular false image of their own society mm. they're all trained to be like like they're called spartans they're supposed to be like high, of iron will and high morale mm-hmm. and they're all supposed to be brought up to be good soldiers which means being able to judge a situation which means not being clouded by propaganda yeah and obviously the other thing that makes them not fascist is they don't seem to have a racial element no. or racial hierarchy or a, they always work with the UN they have an in-group or out-group but it's them yeah. it's them against everyone else um, over time as you unlock more of their story they end up becoming a bit more like I say actually Spartan mm-hmm. so kind of infanticide and really harsh training methods and you know like the bit from Starship Troopers like put your hand on that mm. wall yeah um, in the that books, kind of thing. They start kidnapping scientists a lot. Oh, do they? Yeah. Yeah, because there's uh, something I didn't mention because I haven't read them, but you have. There is a whole series of books. A long time ago, yeah. Yeah, that kind of explains the canon of how the story actually actually unfolded. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and they are... They tend to be the easiest faction to get on with just because they can't get exterminated in the first (laughs) turn. Yeah, so we have... Also, Sister Miriam Godwinson of the Lord's Believers. They're the religious fundamentalist factions. Um, they're mistrustful of technology. They, As we said, they feel that the planet is their promised land. They tend to use the resources as they see fit, so they're bad at planet, mm-hmm. bad at conserving the environment. They seem really like mid-90s atheist newsletter fodder. Yeah. Um, but I, in their defence, I would say that they... Have this subtle emphasis on like so like they start with social psychology technologies. Yeah, they tend to have um, access to other like yeah social technologies and things like that. Um, and apparently, like they do have kind of they're open to like they're open to debate. But the thing that they don't like is technology taking away their God given free will. Yeah. Um, in that way they're kind of the opposite to the university because they would be completely against human experimentation and Mm -hmm. kind of amoral scientific research they don't like the idea of non-human things taking away their rights Uh, we have Commissioner Pravin Lal of the Peacekeepers these are the liberal the liberal humanist faction uh, with a particular bent towards freedom of speech and human rights they're the Guardian Comment is Free faction. <laughs> That's unfair. They're, the Guardian oh, Comment is Free faction would never join the Peacekeepers. They're too liberal. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the most One of the most notable things, because this tends to be kind of a hated faction, I think, among a lot of players. because they're annoying. Because they're, they're annoying and also they're not very good. Yeah. Um, 
the faction is led by Kofi Annan. Okay, yeah. Pravin Lal. Yeah. But if you look at Pravin Lal's portrait, yeah, it's very similar. He is like this an Indian version of Kofi Annan, who was the Secretary General of the UN the, the at the time. The beard colour is exactly the same. The, the beard, like the streak of grey, mm. uh, white in the beard, is exactly the same. Despite the you know, uh, Kofi Annan was Ghanaian and mm-hmm. Pravin Lal's Indian, they look really, really similar. Um, they're committed to kind of upholding the original mission, the original UN mission, and they they try and be this united faction. So they got lots of bonuses towards like diplomacy and working together and things like that. They also ha- their emphasis on personal freedoms also tends to attract a liberal intellectual elite, yeah. which means they end up having a lot of the middle class professions mm-hmm. in them, which subsequently means they're not as prone to drone riots. Yeah. Um, over the game. The canon kind of they start to get more tech phobic, mm-hmm. um, with a lot of entries about Pravin Lal, like discussing what happens to the human when you start combining it with machinery. I think, and my thoughts cross the barrier into the synapses of the machine, just as the good doctor intended. But what I cannot shake, and what hints as things to come, is that thoughts cross back. In my dreams. The sensibility of the machine invades the periphery of my consciousness. Dark, rigid, cold, alien. Evolution is at work here, but just what is evolving remains to be seen. Commissioner Pravin Lal, Man and Machine. Um, next we have CEO Nwabudike Morgan of the Morganite faction. The... Well, Morgan Industries. Morgan Industries, yes. A diamond, yeah. I, I, diamond miner, diamond <laughs> mine owner who bought his way on the ship. Yeah, because so, he paid for it. Because his backstory, <laughs> yeah, he was approached by the UN to finance finance the Unity mission, and while he was there, built himself a secret compartment. And then when the yeah. Unity took off, he was reported as missing. <laughs> yep. Um, his his faction is the only one that seems to have TV channels. Because sometimes yeah. in cartoons you get his TV channels. You get his TV channels and him like advertising, giving, giving his pearls of wisdom. Yeah, um, he's re- he's one of the I think one of the most interesting factions in it because he is. It would have been very easy to make him, uh, Randian, mm-hmm. in that he believes in the free market as a philosophical good, but he is actually a lot more cynical than that. Mm-hmm. He has absolutely no ethical qualms about, say, being a monopoly. Mm-hmm. He actually shout, like, says that in one of the, uh, in one of the, the quotes. Um, and it avoids the kind of... The only, thing he, sorry, the only thing he thinks... The only values he thinks are absolute are the laws of supply and demand. Mm. But he has no problem with being at the top of that and remaining there by any means necessary. Um, so it avoids the kind of weird values dissonance that something like Bioshock has. Mm-hmm. Um, so in in Bioshock you have the the main capitalist Randian superhero Andrew Ryan feeling bad about the fact that he's at the top of the at the top of the tree and he can therefore repress competition yeah. capitalist competition. Um, yeah, Morgan uh, has no problem with becoming a monopoly. No, um, his faction has a problem with growth and it can't grow beyond a certain size because they're all corporate executives and demand the best. Yeah. So they they end up running out of like space and resources unless you kind of really like research technologies that will boost their growth. <laughs> um, has some of the yeah, like you say, has some of the best videos, like him doing a workout video yeah. while talking about wanting to be five hundred, live to be five hundred years old. Yeah, that would be okay. At start. Yeah. <laughs> um, finally, of the original factions, one of the most interesting ones, but also probably the closest to a bad guy faction. The Human Hive, mm-hmm. uh, led by Chairman Shenji Yang. Learn to overcome the crass demands of flesh and bone, for they warp the matrix through which we perceive the world. Extend your awareness outward, beyond the self of body, to embrace the self of group and the self of humanity. The goals of the group and the greater race are transcendent, and to embrace them is to achieve enlightenment. Chairman Shen Ji Yang, SS on Mind and Matter. 
This is one of the most like subtle factions, I think, because it's a blend of a lot of different influences. Ultimately, the human hive are dedicated to building the perfect human collective. Mm-hmm. Is the closest I can get to like a unifying principle. Um, Yang, their leader, is characterized as having like perfect control over his mind and body. He's mm-hmm. like a, a Chinese like security chief, like a yeah. military head. He was the security. No, he wasn't. The, he was the security chief. He was just he, like I he's, think, he's a bull cop. Isn't it something like he's the security? He was originally the security chief of the second emperor because China <laughs> has become an empire again in like the far, in this far future. Yeah. Um, his faction is a kind of weird blend of. Stalinism, a bit of fascism, actual philosophical nihilism, mm-hmm. uh, Zen Buddhism, and even like Chinese legalism, yeah. which for a video game is pretty cool. Um, he's depicted as this incorruptible leader with iron will and near perfect memory. Um, and I think the closest you can get to kind of describing where it comes from is I think this fear in the 90s, maybe among people who really realized about, you know, how China had changed under um, Deng Xiaoping's reforms. Yeah. That it realised that a post-communist China may end up combining kind of some of the aspects of its pre-1949 culture, like uh, Confucianism, kind of that that kind of hierarchical culture, yeah. with the what they assumed was the grim efficiency of the Stalinist police state. Mm-hmm. And so it would become this really, really huge threat. As it is, the human hive is basically made up of enslaved drones who live underground and are ruled over by an elite that actually almost deserves the name Mm -hmm. because they are actually superior. Of course, they they... um, invents jean jacking. Yes, um, I think the the quote. I do. I couldn't. um, I couldn't find a nice copy of it, but it's like my gift to industry is the jean jack. Oh yeah, like the super strong worker who doesn't question. Yeah, the super strong worker whose um whose brain is atrophied. Yeah, <laughs> he's it's weird because obviously like I'm drawn to him because he's the closest to, probably the closest to a communist in the original game anyway. The, original. the closest to a communist leader, but it combines all of these different elements in a way that really makes you think about it's super the, interesting the different mutations that that communism and socialist and left wing ideals can take. Mm-hmm. It's really really fascinating. Um, so yeah, uh, those are the original factions. Firaxis added seven new civilizations, um, including two alien factions mm-hmm. in their Alien Crossfire expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them, they're not really as well fleshed out. Some but of them are. Some of them are pretty shitty. Yeah. Um, the aliens, there's good ones and bad ones. Yep. Ones that like planet and want to help planet bloom. Ones yes. that don't want planet to bloom. Yeah. Um, well, no. The, 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 well, no. The interesting thing is, so there, there's two alien, there's two alien factions that crash on the planet some like uh, fifty years into the mm-hmm. game. Is how they're represented yeah. in game. One of them are like called the usurpers, and they want planet to flower because they want to use it to become oh, gods. Yeah. That's it. And you've got the caretakers who are the good faction mm-hmm. who want to wipe out all life on that <laughs> on planet and make sure it doesn't achieve sentience. Yep. So again, it's this weird like. <laughs> you've got the they, there's the cyborgs. There's yeah the cybernetic consciousness, which are like like a Borg faction. Yep. Um, it's like start. It's, and the way they do it is, um, they usually come from one of the factions from the original game. Yes. So yeah. she's like the university's leader, Zakharov. She's his former assistant. Yeah. There's a really. Uh, there's actually a really interesting thing when we were talking about this. I was thinking about the way that these factions are presented because, as you say, they all emerge from one facet mm. or one extreme of the already very extreme factions. So you've got like the hacker faction that mm. emerge from the capitalists yeah. who. They don't want to build something, but they've got all of this freedom to manipulate the information that's passing through this this free market society. Um, yeah, you've got the Borg faction, this cybernetic consciousness, who emerge from the untrammeled kind of experimentation of the university, the, mm-hmm. the amoral scientific guys. There's you, the pirates that come off the Spartans. I the think. pirates. I was thinking about the way that the dialectic would influence the pirates because they are the kind of the laziest faction. Oh, they're like, amazing. They're incredible. They're really fun to play. But like in universe, it's just like the only thing I can think of is that the Spartans, the militaristic militia faction, are very regimented. And that doesn't um, affect that affects naval forces in different ways. If like if you look back at like the Russian Revolution, a lot of the kind of impetus for revolutionary activity comes from the Navy Mm -hmm. if it's coming from the military. And that's because they're stuck on ships. They have collective living yeah. it's a very different environment from from soldiers um 
yeah, you have the pirate faction. You also have the free drones. The, the autonomous faction. Marxist workers faction. Yep. What? Yep. <laughs> Literal Marxist autonom- autonomists. Yep, they're brilliant. Um, um, even though all their bases look all their bases look like smokestacks. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they're kind of a they're a more anarchistic, pro, like true workers faction, workerist faction. I would yeah, say they're, they're like anarcho syndicalists. Yeah, that's probably the closest. So they actually have. They're actually drawn from the repression that the hive, the human hive, mm. inflicts upon its drones. And but they're drawn from all factions. And in fact, when you have a drone riot in your city, no matter what faction you are, if the free drones are in the game. You, mm. They will have a higher chance of turning into a free drone city, yeah. which is really fucking cool. Yeah, they have this dialectic relationship to the original factions, emerging from a fragment, but also emerging from the kind of contradictions because the developers have thought about how these yeah. factions would develop over time and yeah. how they would fragment. It's really fucking interesting. I forgot about the best one, Chardon. Oh, of course, Chardon. Sorry, forgot yeah. about that cult of planet. Yeah, who I don't. I think. I think. Well, the prophet is a gender. I believe so. There, so the story behind the cult of planet is that they're kind of more, whereas Deirdre, the the Gaians, are spiritual and not religious. They are one hundred percent religious well, the, fanatics for planet. What you get from it is, Deirdre develops a relationship with the mind that is planet yep. over the course of the game, and that goes in one very specific way. But she never really becomes of planet because yeah. she's not from there. Whereas the prophet was found in the fungus. Yes. Yeah, it's a baby found in the fungus without fungus. breathing apparatus as well yeah. because planet is like the atmosphere can't be breathed. And he's dressed up like, um, oh shit, I forgot. Like the, the Dalai Lama. I forgot the name of the film. Yeah, because he's dressed up like, um, well, they're dressed up like the Dalai Lama yeah. as well. They've got the little hat and everything. They look like Homer in the Stonecutters episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, it's fan- and they're fantastic. They, You've you, always loved them. They were always your favourite faction. Well, it's because you can win within the first hundred turns and then you get back to drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm terrible at playing these games. I'm if I am playing impulsive. With, yeah, if I'm playing sneaky, with, if I'm, but impulsive. Yeah, if I'm playing with my friends with any kind of strategy game, you can guarantee that I will betray you first, <laughs> but I will betray you too soon, and I will not succeed. <laughs> but if I'm the prophet and I get my planet up high enough quickly. Then me and most of the planet can pretty All much all the mindworms start joining yeah. you because they see you as one of them. Yeah, would you say that that's something you've brought into your life generally? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. But um, yeah, that that's generally how I play games. So yeah, as you can see, uh, Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri has stayed with us for a really, really long mm-hmm. time. So you can see, Smack has stayed with us for mm-hmm. um, like twenty years. I think it celebrated its twenty-year anniversary yeah. this year, obviously. Um, and you might say that over time, definitely in our youth, we were addicted to smack. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's a lot of different kind of uh, trends and interests that it, it, it really kind of, of dovetails with. And it's why I think it ends up staying with us, mm-hmm. stayed with us for so long. Not just the fact that it's so fucking quotable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you've got um, a real position that it takes on environmentalism Mm -hmm. the environment in this game is not just something passive that you damage and then it kind of passively kind of comes back to affect your civilians yeah if you put out pollution planet actively tries to kill you well yeah you build a road and it gets attacked by worms and they tear the road up even that yeah the 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 worms attack you but also like the fauna the, yeah, um, just the fungus. The flora, sorry. The uh, the fungus, mm-hmm. the psychic fungus mm-hmm. that infests the planet ends up kind of attacking you, cutting off your roads, and yeah, yeah, attacking your, your bases. Um, I think it also, although it's slightly darker than Civ, it does actually present a more realistic, or at least an attempt, a more realistic portrayal of like scientific advances. Yeah. In Civ you've got this kind of Whiggish march of progress. The sum total of human knowledge always increases mm-hmm. and it always adds to your faction but to humanity as a whole. Yeah. You have like charts. All the charts go up. Mm-hmm. They always go up to a certain point. Unless you're at war and you're losing cities and things like that, the yeah. charts always go up. You always continue on. You always keep what you what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in Smack, at least narratively, it presents some of the, the trade-offs you have for acquiring these mm -hmm. technologies. So you have a problem and you create the punishment sphere mm -hmm. as you de delve more into the kind of planetary technologies, like the psychic technologies. Um, as that quote we, we put out um, said, you, you have the leaders and the factions starting to become uneasy mm -hmm. at the kind of things they're, they're inventing. As your conversation with Planet continues throughout the story, Planet itself expresses doubt about your presence. Yeah. I think at one point there's a quote where it's like, you come from a... Have you got it? Um, no, I haven't got it. Uh, but, um, it's a... It's you come from a dead you come from a dead planet, Deirdre, and we don't understand it. Do you bring the do you bring the, the disease of planet death with you? Yeah, do you do you also carry the will we also catch the planet death disease? Yeah. It's And they start talking about pruning her. Yeah, that's how they refer to human civilization. Yeah. The planet itself refers to oh, I'd love it. Are you a cancer to be excised? No, no, it doesn't. doesn't it does it, do it that once, yeah. Just pruning. Yeah. That's, <laughs> and then, uh, if I remember the game, it's been, it has been a few years since I've played it. Isn't that cutscene followed by like just a gesture of a fungus destroying one of your? Um, oh yeah, just it cuts destroying off a, one of your terraform things, um, or it'll cut off a city or something. Yeah, yeah, cut a city off from the rest of you. Mm. Yeah, so civilization has this kind of um, manifest destiny thing to it, as we've said. It. Mm. it, it sometimes rather uncomfortably emulates the pattern and logic of Western imperialism mm -hmm. in its main main game impulse. Mm. Um, but in this game, mistreatment of the environment and a gen general lack of care with the way that you're expanding is actively punished. But yeah, like um, in Civ, the barbarians never just completely wipe out cities and can destroy you can like yes, utterly. yeah. Whereas they can, in yeah, it's your barbarians aren't something to be survived. They're something to they're kind of an annoyance on yeah. the way, which yeah may have troubling mm. troubling overtones if you think about it too yeah. deeply. Which I don't. <laughs> I mean, you even look at the um, opening quote that mm. we played at the beginning of the episode. That is about humanity being cast out of the the garden of eden of being fallen you you arrive on this planet unlike civilization where your every action is benign and good even if it's just for your civilization civilization it's presented in a fairly soft way there's also a um, thing with civ actually with smack like you arrive you arrive fallen don't you yeah yeah but there's something thing which i can't stop thinking about now but um, like the only difference between you and a barbarian city at the beginning mm. is that you're the only one with the nous, with the smartness, yeah. to build another city. You can get better; they can only ape you. The same. Yeah, yeah, that's gross as hell. Which it seriously, you think about it for too long, and it starts to become, oh wow, I've uh, managed to beat the Shushold Empire. Yeah, by using the English to bulldoze all of their cities. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's presented in such a bright, comic booky yeah. way. Especially like the, with the way the characters are drawn now. Yeah, the graphics on this are, well, functional, yeah. I would say. Um, it, has it, it has its own particular look. I wouldn't say it's like, because it's not grey and gothy, like no, a lot of those 90s games are. It, yeah, it's cyberpunky, but it's kind of lurid pinks and mm -hmm. greens. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the mind worms and the Isles of the Deep, which are like the sea worms, mm -hmm are kind of these roiling mass of tentacles. Yeah, they're pretty great. And they're really fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, um, Brian Reynolds, when he was... Uh, he wrote a developer diary mm -hmm. when he was creating Alpha Centauri. And he did say, from the beginning, Alpha Centauri sets out to capture the whole sweep of humanity's future. Not just technology and futuristic warfare, but economic and social development, the future of the human condition, spirituality and philosophy. The designers tried to challenge players to imagine the future for themselves, to create their own future utopias and try them out against other competing visions. And this kind of like competitive arena that Alpha Centauri kind of gives you, it's necessarily small scale and not comprehensive. Like you can't tailor it very much mm -hmm. other than you can create your own factions. Yeah. You, there is a faction editor. But ultimately the game is the game. It is restrictive in the way that any Civ game would be. You can't mm. do whatever you want to do. Um, but the game does do really well in getting you thinking about how these differing ideas about 
um, societies, despite being extreme, like being fanatic fanatics, extreme mm. examples of particular philosophies, how they interact with each other and how apparently contradictory ideas mesh together mm. to produce something new. Um, and I think like why it stayed with me for so long is that it depicts politics as still it still depicts politics as a grasping towards utopia. Mm-hmm. You know, the restriction of the idea of achievable utopias has a distinct anti-emancipatory flavour to it. Um, and it, as at the end of the Cold War, it became very much a part of like Anglo-American philosophical um, practice. It became kind of a, a liberal watchword. Utopias are not only not possible, but that the kind of utopian thought, that kind of utopian thought is actively dangerous. Mm-hmm trying to achieve utopia will make something worse than if you just left alone completely. Yeah. And the actual game definitely has some inbuilt biases. Um, the developers clearly don't like the religious fundamentalists. They are, I think, weaker than a lot of the other factions. Mm. Um, it's almost impossible to win as them, I've found, unless you but really one of the play things, it well. One of the things I really like is narratively <clears throat> how, that, how they work with it, because, mm. like... The believers tend to be dead within two hundred years. Yeah, um, but there's technologies that you don't get until like nearly five hundred years, mm-hmm. where Miriam's teachings are <clears throat> criticizing them and predicting yes. them coming and predicting yeah. them ruining society. Like the self-aware city, I think with the sentient city. It's, it's like completely, like completely yeah, yeah. AI-controlled cities, and it's this great video with like you can hear footsteps running and her talking about what will happen in the, when we give over control to these these machines where they realize they don't need us anymore. Yeah, I think it's like these little homunculus what will we do when one day we awake they awake we awake and they declare they have no further need of us. Mm. That's how them. much that game has stuck with me. Yep. I can remember those fucking quotes. Yeah. And you know, like these these two kids they like spray we must descend on the wall and then you just see the shadow of them being lasered and then cleaned. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I mean, it did like, like I say, like in, in the, the gameplay has these. But even has, when they're like criticized, they say like you know has, they're, they're pathetic and they're yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. not going to get any get anywhere. But there is like there maybe is, they've got there something is a to point. say. Yeah. There is a point to them. They fit into mm. this into this uh, narrative really yeah. really well. And like I mean, like the other the the flip side of that is that you have to research in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the key. That can dis- despite potentially having a load of different ways you can resolve a problem with your civilization Mm -hmm. really research is the most efficient and best way out Mm -hmm. of it like they can solve things in a way that for instance military power can't Mm -hmm. Um, despite having the best military if your research is shit you are probably going to have a harder time Um, but the interesting thing about Alpha Centauri is that it was created in a world where centrist just good enough politics was considered the only game in town Mm -hmm. and ideology was considered a dirty word yeah um, Smack features factions of fanatics, each committed to an ideal of human society that is not necessarily in response to the situation they find themselves in on planet, but and is composed of stuff they've taken with them from a corrupt and failed Earth. Mm. But you also get to see how when they're plunged into a situation like they find in the game, how they adapt and how they... It, each it's a weird dunning kruger effect that each each thing that they come across just proves that their ideology is more right and more necessary than mm. before um except for the new the un who just cries the whole time until yeah. he put out his misery <laughs> and you know seeing as we now live still live in that just good enough mm. political world um we live in a society that proclaims liberty as its ultimate ideology. We're all liberty fanatics. We mm-hmm. love liberty so much. It's supposed a society that's supposedly free of ideology and is the better for it, and yet routinely afflicts the worst environmental, military, and economic consequences on the world in the name of upholding this best society, this best possible world, and appears kind of natural and necessary to mm. the world while doing it. What Alpha Centauri did so well is that exposes kind of how contingent this particular form of centrist ideology is. The status quo of post-Cold War capitalism is not at all as steady or as all-encompassing as it it claimed to be, or as it's presented now. At the time it was made, the possibilities for the future had started to close in. 
Fukuyama's end of history in its own way was an attempt to put the brakes on a situation that didn't necessarily benefit the whole of humanity. Mm. It said that this one form of human nature, this late capitalist one, this is what we were stuck with. So all the myriad of expressions of different cultures, values, different political opinions, they're all essentially illegitimate in the face of this monolithic liberal capitalism. What Alpha Centauri does is present multiple versions of human nature. Even though some of them are horrifying, it presents the possibility that they are going concerns that they need to be engaged with and, mm. and, and thought through and dealt with, and often even viable in some way that doesn't limit human nature to one inevitable pattern. It doesn't present the beginning and the end as this determined, clean slate thing like in Civ. It's the product of historical forces and choice and to sound a bit fash, even actual human will. Mm -hmm. A sense of being able to survive under an alternate system to the one that, at the beginning of the game, led to the social and ecological collapse of Earth. Man is a rope tied between beast and overman, a rope over an abyss, a dangerous across, a dangerous on the way, a dangerous looking back, a dangerous shuddering and stopping. What is great in man is that he is a bridge and not an end. What can be loved in man is that he is an overture and a going under. I love those who do not know how to live, for they are those who cross over. Frederick Nietzsche. Thus spoke Zarathustra. Data links. Uh, that's us for this week. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us at WDT80W underscore podcast, follow me at BM Bergamo, and follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing, and we will see you next week. Bye. Please don't go. The drones need you. They look up to you.